You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech to the Podcast. This is episode 117 called 14 EdTech Team Building Activities to Start the School Year. In this episode, we'll share 14 awesome ideas for team building activities that you can use to help start the school year right. We'll also discuss some of the EdTech that take these activities to the next level. This is another episode you don't want to miss. Check it out. So this is our first episode of the summer, really, because we had a couple episodes banked because we just wanted to take a little bit of a break and relax, uh, you know, go on our vacations and figure out what vacation, summer vacation really means again. Because to be honest, I don't think Nick or myself have had much of one the last two years dealing with COVID and how we're prepping teachers to teach and what what everything looks like. And we're just going through all that. So this has been nice, just being able to take some time. I don't think I looked at a computer until yesterday. And that was just to get ready for this. So uh, Nick, what have you been up to, man? Yeah, same, same as you. I did. I was doing some work on a computer for a side sort of a side job I do over the summer, but, um, and it is in the education world, but it's separate from this. So yeah, it was cool. It was cool to totally shut down and take a break from everything that has to do with our normal teaching jobs and our normal tech coach jobs. And I, I love doing these episodes, but it was nice to take some time off uh, from a recording every two weeks as well. So it's all been good. We did a, we did about a week long vacation to our typical spot. I'm sure I've mentioned it before on the show, North Western North Carolina, a town called Asheville. Um, you know, it's the kind of the hotspot for the Blue Ridge Mountains. So hiking and it's a big brewery town. So we did a lot of that and it was great. My two big takeaways are, I guess the one big takeaway is just how much work it is with a, with a toddler. So our first, we did take a trip last summer when our daughter Sylvia was, I think she was seven months old, but this year she was 19. So walk in and kind of talking it's a whole different ball game. I don't think you adequately prepared me for what to expect there because it was a lot of work. <laughs> you, you could definitely blame me for that. Part of me didn't want to scare you away from the Blue Ridge Mountains. They're beautiful. And I saw some of the pictures that you took and it, it was awesome. It painted a different picture than chaos. <laughs> so it kind of it kind of looked like, uh, you know, peaceful and, and uh, you know, along those lines and not so much chaotic, but... I could tell you once they start moving, it gets tougher. I guess yeah. I should have I should have told you that before you left, rather than hopefully you didn't go close to too many cliffs with your daughter. No, 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 for sure. Actually, I do appreciate you not telling me because it might have scared me off. But it was re- it was really great. What about you? Uh, what have you been up to? Yeah, we went to the we went on a beach uh, vacation. We got a we rented a house for a couple of days down at the beach. Uh, my my sons love the sand, building sand castles, all that. I'm not going to lie. I am not a beach guy. I am more of a lake house guy, but I do it every year because my wife and kids love to do it. And uh, making them happy is important and giving them those experiences. It's kind of like math. And this is weird. This is one of my tangents and segues, but it's kind of like math. If you have uh, 
if you have a teacher that really doesn't like math and they keep telling you that they don't like math, well, more than likely, especially if you respect that teacher, maybe you won't like math either. I'm not going to tell them that I don't like the beach because I want them to make their own decision about it. And I just had to suck it up and build some sandcastles and, and play in the sand. So we even let them uh, cover me up to my neck and they threw some Cheetos on me. I, I guess uh, my face is uh, very powerful enough to keep the seagulls away, but it's all good. That's hilarious. And it sounds awesome. I can't wait to do a a beach trip with uh, my family as well. I'm not like you. I'm not hugely into it, but it's. I think it's going to be fun. So, but yeah, I mean, we're wrapping up vacations, and we still have a, at least where we work in New Jersey. We've got a good more than a month till school starts. But I know we're starting to look ahead to you know ramping back up again for real. Um, we've got some PD coming up uh, just locally that I know we're trying to plan out some sessions that people signed up for. I believe one is on choice boards. I don't even remember what the other one is on. That's how disconnected I've been. But I know that's kind of where my head's going. Yeah, one's on choice boards. The other one's on gamification through puzzles and putting that into the classroom. That should be a lot of fun. Uh, We also have the Teach Better Conference. I'll be at the Teach Better Conference uh, in October. Uh, We'll probably be at NJCC again and maybe uh, Pete and C. We have to see if we're going to be at Pete and C. But it should be a good time. So we have a lot of that coming up. And we have a nice uh, collaborative podcast that is uh, slowly getting put into the works with the Check It Out podcast with Ryan O'Donnell and Brian Briggs. And we're going to give you another East Coast, West Coast uh, splashdown uh, when it comes to technology. Those guys are awesome. So can't wait for that collaboration. That should be out within the next, uh, hopefully, couple weeks or so. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. Today, we're going to talk about tech-based team building activities. These are the things that you can go in and have a little bit of, I don't know, fun with, with your students. Uh, I think sometimes... We often get caught up getting right into the content that we forget the most important thing, and that's building connections and making everyone comfortable with one another. And a great way to do that is through team building activities. So today we have a decent collection for you. And I think, Nick, why don't you start us off? Yeah, you. before I do the first one, something you said did kind of bring something to light that I want to mention, and that is, especially at the high school level, I think, we do often skip this because you want to get started straight away and get through that material. But, you know, a lot of the stuff that we talk about, the student-centered learning and the flipped classrooms and the blended learning and all that stuff, a lot of that hinges on the students being able to work with each other. And if they can't work with each other, it doesn't let that type of teaching style work to its maximum potential. So, you know, this might be these types of things at the start of the year really help to make that possible. So, you know, give it a give it a look if you haven't uh, considered something like this before. A lot of these are built off of technology, but they don't have to be. So if tech isn't your thing, you know, we'll certainly try to highlight the non-tech version for a lot of these as well. So just wanted to say that right off the bat. This first one I call the paparazzi game. There's tons of names for it. And chances are, if you've ever been to a, I think this is mostly bachelorette parties, although I'm not sure. I've never actually done one at a bachelor party. Uh, But that thing where you get a little sheet of paper and there's like a list of 10 pictures that you have to 
say, run around the city or the resort or wherever you are and find these things and take a photo. Usually they're like goofy things or challenging things to find. Well, we're basically doing a version of that, but with the kids in the school. So they, you know, they work in some small groups. They're talking to each other. The tech here is pretty straightforward. It could just be their cell phones if they're allowed to use them. Could be the Chromebook camera if they've got those. Um, but they just run around and take photos of things that you want them to find. Uh, so say specific objects in the classroom. For me as a chem teacher, that's great because there are objects that they need to eventually know about. So I can actually start getting them used to some content specific stuff that way. It could be people in the school. If they're, you know, rising freshmen or rising middle schoolers, you could have them find the principal and take a picture with the principal. Uh, just stuff, areas, scenes, you could have them, you know, act out certain things together and they've got to take a picture of themselves doing that. Just have fun with it completely unconnected to your class altogether, which you might actually want to do at that beginning of the year. Um, it's super fun. Everybody loves doing this. And, you know, as far as you getting access to those photographs, I thought a Google slide deck would be fun. You could even work in like where they present the, those slides to the class. So they get to click through and show everybody the photos they took um, or just share out some Google drive folders and they, they pop them in there. So uh, I think that's a great one. Very easy to set up, very low prep, which you might want for the start of the year. And it's a blast. Yeah, I had no clue what the paparazzi game was when uh, I read it on the show notes. It's very, very similar to my QR quest. Right. Uh, it it kind of, you know, matches up pretty nicely. I'm going to explain another way that I like to use this. When I taught science, I had five or six areas, which I, I called part of my classroom. Some of them were inside, some of them were outside, some were in the hallway. So what I like to do and I like to start off with is give them an introduction to the whole classroom, give them an introduction to myself, take care of all the safety things that we need, such as the the way to get out of the building if there's a fire emergency uh, or safety in the lab, things like that. So my QR code quest basically we'll start them in one area. There'll be some type of a resource there that they have to go over. Uh, in each group, everyone has a role. Someone will be taking the pictures, other people will be taking the notes, and um, some people will just be looking out for these QR codes. So I, I might start them in the lab, tell them to find the safety blanket, the eye wash, all that good stuff, the breakables container, and uh, you know, make some type of a goofy picture there of them being safe in the lab. And then next, they would go out to the hallway where I might show them, you know, some activities that we might do out there, such as the Slinky Lab or the Acceleration Lab or the Heart Lab. Maybe have a couple of those uh, instruments out there so they could get familiar with it. Uh, after that, they might go outside. We have a space outside. It's like an open courtyard uh, where I often let my students, you know, on a nice day, go out there. If they're doing independent projects or small group projects and they want to be outside, I might send them out there where they have to do a different task. So this this lines up with your paparazzi game pretty well. Uh, but this is what I call the QR quest. There are a lot of QR code generators now that will help you out. Uh, there's even one in the Google Chrome bar uh, that makes it all pretty easy. So that's a QR quest. 
Yeah, uh, it's great. I like how they kind of piggyback off each other. Yours is sort of, it's the same as mine, just taken to the next level where you tie in the QR codes. So that's a cool, we even had them back to back, which I like. Um, I'll jump into our number three. Um, sometimes this is called the brown bag. And the non-tech version is the students bring in a brown paper bag or you provide that bag, but they put objects in it that describe themselves. Everybody trades bags and the students analyze or, or you know look at what's in the bag that they got. And then they have to describe those objects that aren't theirs to the class. Well, everybody listens and they try and guess whose bag that came from. Um, the virtual version of that, which I thought would be fun with a tool called autodraw.com. I believe we've mentioned it before in a distant episode or something like it, uh, is instead of an actual brown paper bag, so you're saving some money there, um, you just have the digital version of that. This could be as simple as a Google drawing, let's say. Um, and each kid gets their own unique Google drawing. Instead of actual objects, they put five images of things that describe them. Uh, to take away the, you know, the time challenge of kids drawing five things or the frustration that comes with kids who can't draw, uh, autodraw.com is pretty cool. If you, if you want to check it out um, sometime later um, and you've got your laptop or computer haven't tried it on a phone uh you, you just head there and you just doodle like the crap i tried it with a cat i drew like a literally a two second cat face i did a circle two pointy ears and some whiskers and it kind of detects automatically what you're trying to draw and then across the top in a little bar it suggests i think it says do you mean and then it's all these little like professional icons they look like of things that it thinks you're trying to draw and obviously it knows it's a cat you can just pick the cat you want. So it's kind of like a fun thing. If the kids don't know about it, they might get jazzed on that. And it lets them actually be able to represent the thing they're trying to represent. But you could do this the same way. They put in five pictures of something that describes them. You, as the teacher, redistribute all of these. Or if you don't want to go through that hassle, you could just sort of project them to the class one at a time. And everybody guesses whose you know, drawings they are. After you guess, the person reveals themselves, and it's a kind of a cool whole group uh, team building activity. So I call that the virtual brown bag with autodraw.com. I have two things to say about this one. This, yep. uh, so I just went to autodraw.com and I tried to draw a house, and it suggested <laughs> that I drew an elephant. Oh, no. um, that just shows you how bad I am. But, yeah. You know, if I change a couple of characteristics of what I did, it does recognize it as a house. So that's pretty cool. Good. Uh, the second thing is, do you know, uh, it was on the game show network where it's, I think it's called clue. I'm not sure if it's or the hidden clue or the hidden password or something like that, where they have to give adjectives. Okay. And someone had to guess it. I was just thinking, what if you had a person sit in front of your projection screen facing the classroom? And you had kids that had to give the kind of had to give them little characteristics about the drawing behind them. Right. And the first uh, whoever gave the clue that allowed the person to guess it would get a point. I'm wondering if we could somehow mix that into, uh, I don't know, a review game or something like that. I just thought of it. But I, I like this virtual brown bag uh, activity with autodraw.com. That, that was solid. Cool. So. Let's get into the next one, which uh, we bring up from time to time, and that's Digital Escape the Rooms. I, I uh, put 
a link to two different ones in the show notes, but I just use uh, Google Sites to make one on To Kill a Mockingbird and also for a chemistry one on Lewis dot structures and uh, basic atomic structures. So those two, it's it's all revolved around digital technology and Google and things like that. We have crossword puzzles built into there. We have uh, Google Forms. They have to do a quiz and they get a secret password that way. There are several different different types of puzzles. So really, uh, I want to encourage you to go check these out. And they could each puzzle could be standalone. You don't need to make this big collective activity. Uh, but each puzzle could be standalone. Uh, the virtual locks is done through Google Forms, so they'll have to put in passwords or number codes, and and that will help them, uh, you know, get to the point where they can escape the room, uh, you know, the the digital virtual room. So that's a uh, escape the room. You can check those two out, and uh, yeah, let's get into your your next one, uh, Nick. I don't want to give it away, but I kind of want to give it away because it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm excited about this too. Um, I always remember, you know, when we were going to school, there wasn't a whole lot of this creative stuff, certainly no technology. But um, one of the classic things that you would have to do like over and over and over again on that first day of school, um, back when we were in school was, you know, you get up or you stand up and you tell the class what you did over the summer. And I, I always hated it. I didn't really like standing up and talking in front of people at that time in my life. So there's that. And I just thought it was boring. Like I, everybody did the same thing. I grew up in New Jersey. We all went to the beach and that was it. So you just had to hear that over and over and over again. Well, it's sort of a twist on the roughly the same thing. Uh, but to make it somewhat more interesting is you could actually build in Google Maps for like a summertime show and tell. So besides just standing there and describing to everyone what you did, you know, with Google Maps and in particular, the street view that exists for most locations these days, you can actually have the kids pull up and show the class, you know, not just we went to, I don't know, say Sea Isle. Uh, you could actually show everybody the street that you stayed on or the house you rented or your favorite spot on the boardwalk and just bring in like an extra interesting element to sort of really reveal to people what you did. You could allow students to show multiple spots. If they didn't go anywhere, if they stayed local, they can show stuff around the, the general area. They could show their house or their yard and talk about, you know, whatever they did fun over the summertime there, camps they went to, you name it. But I think that visual element in the, the street view of Google Maps would be cool. I went through this a little bit in my head, just sort of planning out how it would be done. And you'd, of course, have to give the students some prep time uh, to sort of find their spot, maybe find the coordinates of where they went or make sure they know what they're going to show the class when it's their turn to present. If you just threw them up there, they might spend, you know, 10 minutes fumbling around trying to find the right location. So you want to give them some prep time for this. But if you do, Give them two, three minutes in front of the class to share. I think that could be super fun. Yeah, that that's another solid one that you came up with. Uh, my next one, I'm just going to kind of say it and we can move on because I do feel like we brought this one up pretty recently, but it does fit this uh, mold as well. And that's like a minute to win it team building challenges. Uh, give them a hundred, I don't know, uh, toothpicks and some tape and, 
and maybe some styrofoam and they have a minute to make something that's going to do something. So maybe they take that and they have to see who can make the tallest building using the same amount of stuff. So 100 toothpicks, one roll of scotch tape, and a 12 inch by 12 inch uh, piece of styrofoam. And they have to see who can make the, the tallest one. It's something very, very simple and easy, but uh, might be cool if, if you did one of these a week uh, at some point in time. You just say, all right, we're going to do this. It's going to take a minute. Here's the task. This is what you got to do. And we're going to keep team score for the whole quarter. And at the end, you know, those those kids get a free homework pass or they get 15 points that don't mean anything. Uh, whatever it may be. But a minute to win it is a great team building uh, activity. Yeah, I love that. I love that kind of stuff, especially when you make it physical and tie in. You know, actually, like building things as part of the challenge could be super fun, uh, just like this next one, which we've also mentioned before in a fairly recent episode, I think maybe in like March or April. But at, at the time, we mentioned it as a really great team building activity. It's called Boom Rider. So this one is, you know, literally reliant on the EdTech tool itself. Uh, Boom Rider is a four stage process. They describe it as read, write, vote and repeat. So the, the deal is when you everybody logs in as a class they're given the first chapter of a story to read. And then the students write, uh, every student individually writes what they think should happen next. So essentially you write chapter two or, you know, paragraph two or whatever it is. Um, and then all of those chapters get read out loud or shared around to the rest of the class and everybody votes on the best one. And then you can repeat that as many times as you want until the whole class is sort of building out this story together. Uh, so there's tons of great stuff in here. There's reading, there's writing, there's peer assessment, um, a little bit of a competition element, um, which is super fun because you get to pick the winner and the writer of that of the, the best in quotes story. And you can take as short or as long as you want. Again, the prep here is super low because it's using Boom Writer, a tool that exists already. So you don't have to really work anything out yourself. And I just think it would be a really fun way to start off the school year. So give that one a look. Link is in the show notes or just give it a Google. It's another solid tool there, Boom Writer. Uh, so my next one is I just called it Classroom Graphs. All right. I always tell my students that graphs tell a story. Right? It doesn't matter what the graph is. It tells a story. So let's create our own class story at the beginning of the year. So a simple way that you could think of this is you ask students what countries they've ever been to or what continents they've ever been to if you want to not get so specific. All right. And what they do is they'll, you could do this with Google Forms. You could do this by just having them go up and put a tally mark on a whiteboard. Uh, but everyone's going to uh, basically give some type of knowledge uh, based on a question. So what countries have you ever gone to right? and they would write them all down and once we got all this uh, data we would organize them into a graph okay so they would make a whatever they want to do if they want to just take a map and have uh, anything that any country that has been visited turn different colors based on how many kids went there that's fine or they could do a bar graph they could do whatever they want they could choose whatever type of graph they want but later on, 
as the year goes on, we could learn more about this. Like, why did you? All right. So who went to Germany? Why did you go there? What did you learn there? That type of stuff and bring some culture into it. So then you're getting to know your students a little bit. And then you're also getting to put some culture in there as well. And I think that that's just a great way to a learn about graphs throughout the year, learn about your students throughout the year and learn about culture throughout the year, which I think is three things that we're trying to do uh, all the time at our school. Yeah, the I, I think graphs are super underutilized and we bring it up all the time, but they, they can be really fun in all subjects, not just math, to do so many things like you were kind of getting into there. I was even watching a little bit of, uh, and what's the show? I think it's America's Got Talent where they're just bringing all, all kinds of acts, comedians, singers, dancers, whatever. There's a comedian whose whole act was, you know, he would project like a graph which sounds super lame, right? But the idea is that he his interpretation of the graph was like a funny life thing. One of them was like something about popping popcorn. I can't remember. But it's just kind of proves that graphs can be very interesting and they don't always have to do with strict math stuff. So I think we should all be t- uh, using those a lot more. Really great for an introduction to the year. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that one to the table. So real quick, uh, was the comedian's name Ross Perot? I mean, it, it, might be showing, it might be showing my uh, age a little bit. It but might I have love, been. I love that guy. That it guy was been. amazing. You know, he, he ran for the president of the United States, always had a graph. Maybe I, that might be even too uh, too old for you. I don't know. You could have been no, no, a little no. lad back then. No, no, I remember Ross Perot. I don't think it was the, the president guy, but uh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right. So my next one is, is very tech-based as well. It's another tool called Bamboozle. Um, it's, you know, I, I think we had to at least mention some of the, the gaming platforms that are out there and they're all fantastic. Everybody knows that, right? They get utilized more than most of the ed tech tools just because how great they are. But this one in particular, I think deserves to be mentioned for team building because of what it does. Bamboozle is the one where the kids are working and talking in face to face groups so the, the questions appear to the whole class up on the board. You know, I think with the free version, you can have up to four groups. So even a full size class, you can split them into reasonable size groups. And the, the groups have to talk amongst themselves to select an answer. And then the teacher kind of runs things on the, you know, the board that you're projecting. So it's kind of like the old school version. The kids aren't buried with their face right in their individual screen like they would be with, you know, GimKit or something else. By the way, those are super, super fun. And there's amazing, entertaining stuff there. But I think for the beginning of the year, if you want kids talking to each other, Bamboozle is is the way to go. So that's, uh, that's just one of them that I wanted to point out for uh, our list here today. Yeah, so let's get into my next one, which neither one of us knows what this <laughs> means. All right, so last night, it was probably like 11.30. Uh, Nick and I got on a Google Doc and we just started typing out ideas. And that's kind of what we do. Sometimes we do some research online. We try to find stuff. Most of the time, we just try to be creative and think of ideas. So this one in our show notes says a story poster and a relay. I have no clue what I was thinking about last night. (laughs) But... I'm going to take this and do a little improv and just, uh, this is kind of just how my brain works. So we're going to go with it. So on picture a whiteboard, all right? And we have uh, a circle at the top. So think of a graphic organizer and that circle breaks into two circles. 
and those circles break into two circles and those circles break into two circles. And you can do this for as much as you want. And at the top, you're going to have in under that circle, you'll, you'll put title and then underneath you'll put events. And then underneath of that, you'll put conflicts and underneath that you'll put resolution. And this is just one way to organize it. But, uh, I am really big into silence sometimes, especially uh, when students just want to talk and talk and talk. So we'll get them to be active by walking up to the the whiteboard, uh, but then they'll they'll have to come sit down and hand off the marker to someone else. And we'll put them into let's say four to six teams within the group uh, within the class. And the first part is silent; they can't talk to anyone. All right, during this whole thing, and they have to fill in those circles. So the title, someone will go out and be like, I'm going to pick this title. And then based off of that title, they can, they can uh, fill any of the other circles that are underneath, but they only may do it one at a time. And everyone must go and contribute until that person can go back up again. So if the title is, uh, I don't know, skipping stones across the lake, something like that. Uh, they would have to come up with conflicts based on that. And it's just a way to get them creative. So once they have all these little circles filled out, they would get in their groups and now they're allowed to talk. And now they have to kind of come up with some type of a story that they'll share with the class at the end. So I'm going to call that a story poster and a relay. Yeah, I mean, that's that's you at your finest, just coming up with uh, an idea off the spot. I like it. I did. I do have to say that as you were talking, I was kind of quickly coming up with what my own version of that would be, also not knowing what you meant <laughs> 1130 last night. So I was thinking kind of along the same lines, like a relay race where you hand off a baton, but instead of a baton, you hand off the marker to add something. But I was thinking more like, sort of what boom writer does but just the the live action version where one person goes up to the board writes one sentence of the story they hand off the marker to someone else who adds the next sentence and you run through the whole class and everybody adds a new sentence relay style until the whole thing is built up at the end so i think that's kind of cool there's a, a lot of ways you could maybe use that relay model to to do something as a group i was just thinking like we used to watch Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. And they had to perform a task. And if they got like that task correct, they got ingredients to make stuff. What if you had adjectives and words and, and terms based on your content in the middle? And as you answered a math problem or some type of a content based problem, you got to pick one of those ingredients to use for your next challenge. And I think that would be cool in the classroom setting. I just thought of it, had to throw it out there because I'm going to definitely develop that because that's what I do. I mean, that's a whole, that's a whole separate idea. Somebody should write that one down because like you said, we need to work that out. So that's a good one, man. Um, all right, cool. So that was number 10. We're up to 11 here. I call this uh, guest the location with randomstreetview.com. This is a different take on the Google Maps show and tell that I talked about before. Uh, with this one, we're going to use a third-party site, of course, called randomstreetview.com. And instead of students showcasing places they've been in Google Maps, instead now we're going to let 
random street view do pretty much what it sounds like it's going to do. It's uh, randomly selects different street view locations from Google Maps worldwide and just kind of shows them to you. Uh, why would you do that? Well, there's tons of uses in this application. The teacher would be up there and would start with a random location. It does tell you where, what the location is over in like a little pop-up window, but you can minimize that. So the location is essentially a secret. Uh, the challenge is, and you could do this in small groups if you want, and everyone has to talk, or as a whole class, um, the challenge is to, for the kids to pick as accurately as possible where they think that location is. So, you know, if you're at the front of the room as the teacher, you can sort of click around and pan to show them different things. So they just have to use context clues like... What does the scenery look like? What kind of, what's the ecology of that spot? What does the architecture look like? What kind of cars are they driving? You know, what language are the signs in? If they can see any signs, that might give it away. What do the people look like? Um, just whatever they see, and they have to make the most accurate guess as possible. They might have no clue, so their guess it could be as broad as North America. Or they might have some really good clues that they noticed, so their guess can be... I don't know, Belgium, a specific country, maybe even more specific than that, a, a city if they could get down to that level. Um, but you just sort of, you know, either agree as a whole class or have them submit votes or however you want to do it. But it's really fun. This is obviously going to be better at the higher grades because the younger kids may not have enough life experience to know these worldwide locations. But who knows? Maybe, maybe, they, maybe they can do that. But it's a super cool thing. So check out randomstreetview.com and maybe build it in to one of your first day games. All right, let's hop into my next one. I did like that randomstreetview.com uh, tool in that activity. Uh, Dreamcatchers, is, that's, that's my next one. And I actually uh, was going through a bunch of boxes that I haven't unpacked since my first move. 15 years ago, they were up in the uh, attic. Wow. Yeah, and I found an old dream catcher of mine, but I just think it would be cool if I could make a digital template of a dream catcher where, where, where students can just put random pictures or little post-its, uh, digital post-its with uh, certain quotes that they love and stuff like that, just to get to know your kids. And then uh, what you could do is either print those out or have some type of a gallery walk using Google Slides or something along those lines. Maybe you can make the dream catcher your your slide, your your permanent slide, so all they would have to do is add stuff there. I think that would be extremely cool and a nice way to get to know your your class. Yep. I love the dream catcher idea and I also love uh, what is uh, number 13 and the last one that I'm going to bring up for this episode. Um, it's basically a story writing activity, a creative writing activity, but Specifically, using a website, a very cool website called Humans of New York. If you've never heard of this before, this is it's been around for a while and it was pretty popular there a few years ago. It was a originally a photography project started in 2010. Uh, the goal being to collect, I think it was like 10,000 just pictures of random New Yorkers uh, on the street doing day-to-day, -day, average, everyday life in New York City things and just kind of catalog that and people can then go view those um, just to kind of see. It was very interesting. And uh, you could use that and use these the pictures that are there. And if you head to the website, you'll see they've really expanded since then. 
and they have all kinds of stuff now. But the what I'm talking about are use these pictures of random people doing random day every you know day to day things, and they have to use the picture as like a story starter. Uh, so they get a different random photo. Maybe they work together. That's how I was thinking. You put them in a small group. They have to craft a story about that person that they see. And then depending on how much time and effort you want to put into this, you can have them read it aloud, do different things with it from there. Um, so that's that's my last one. Humans of New York story writing. That's very creative. That's an awesome, awesome way, you know, to just get to know how your students think a little bit, which would be cool. My last one's truth or myth. And I used to do this with all the misconceptions in AP Bio where I would show them a picture of something, a visual representation of something, and they would have to come up with either a couple truths about what they know about that that picture, that topic, or they have to come up with a couple of myths um, about that topic. So they could, they could do a couple truths, a couple myths or whatever. Uh, but then what they would do is they would get into another group after that, and they would present Say I just told them that they had to do five and they got to pick the how many truths, how many myths, but uh, they would present one of them to the opposite group. That group would have to determine whether or not it's a truth or a myth. Uh, and then if it is a myth, why it's a myth. So it really gets them. It's almost like giving, I know you do this in chemistry where you give them a chemistry problem that's already filled out and it's wrong or it's right. It's kind of the same logic there, but I use visual representation instead of then they're going to come up with the truth or the myth themselves and play a little game with another group. So that's uh, truth or myth. I love it. I love that kind of stuff, especially when they don't know if any are incorrect or the myth or how many are the myths. It's a, a great way to get some critical thinking in there, too, and maybe in a fun way. And that wraps it up for our list. So this was a little bit of a shorter episode than we've been doing kind of these deep dives into stuff. We wanted that because it's over the summer and just a, a quick snapshot for everybody looking to get your brain back in gear and think about some fun stuff that you might want to do at the beginning of this upcoming school year. So with that, I'll bring it to a close. Like always, guys, you can subscribe to Got Tech, the podcast on really anywhere you listen. Uh, Apple would be the best, but you can find us on Spotify, Google Stitcher. We're on YouTube. If you look up We Got Tech, you can subscribe there. Um, summertime's a little slow, but during the school year, of course, we've got content, video content being posted. You can find us both on Twitter and Facebook. Just, you know, just look up Got Tech and you'll find all our stuff. Uh, if you really like the show, you could write us a review. That'd be great. GotTech.com is our website where you can find episodes and blogs and other free giveaways of tech stuff. And the most important thing is to tell your friends about us. Tell your friends about the Teach Better Podcast Network as well that we are a part of along with many other awesome podcasts. And that wraps it up for episode 117. Thanks a lot for listening. 
Thanks for listening to Got Tech, the podcast. Remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at We Got Tech on Twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases, blog posts, product reviews, and PD announcements. You can also follow Geist and I individually at Geist Got Tech and at Nick Got Tech on Twitter or on Instagram at Nick Got Tech. Finally, remember to check out our website, gottech.com, where we post all our episodes, articles, and resources available to you for free. Until next time.